Kia ora everybody, welcome back to Ngahere Talks, this is Manoa uh, coming at you from Tamakima COVID, they like to call us now, um, what is it, level, uh, week three of level four lockdown in 2021, um, it is what it is man and just hoping that everyone out there is staying safe, um, but hey man, hopefully also you're getting an opportunity to be a little bit creative, so I'm real pumped about today's kōrero, uh, about creative hustle, um, we've been checking out um, the Q&A's out to people a little bit on, on social medias but we don't get heaps through social medias but we just ask around the crew um, you know what kind of questions do you have and so I have got some questions here in front of me I've, I'm kind of just going to read them and answer them while they come out um, so hopefully my answers are going to be all good um, there's as always there's a smart ass question in there so I might put it in a little bit later if you listen to last week's podcast you'll know exactly what I'm talking about um so I might chuck this one at the end we'll see how we feel see if I'm feeling inspired to answer the silly questions that come through um but creative hustle I mean by creative hustle we kind of mean like you're creative and you've got a creative idea um and then you're kind of looking at how you can use that to make a bit of income whether that's a side hustle or you want it to be your main hustle you want it to be the main thing that you put your time and effort and energy into maybe you're um maybe you're an actor maybe you're a writer maybe you're a photographer maybe you're a painter um creative hustle is kind of for us anyway at Ngahere and for me myself is all about that how we um yeah how we use our creativity um and how we build ourselves up so that can be the main thing man if you haven't listened to um the corridor that we did the corner corridor with the Hori, so Hohepa and Mia um, from the Hori that definitely encourage you to go look that one up. Just scroll down, you'll see it. Um, it was earlier this year. Um, they've been able to go from being um, just a couple of artists doing the best they could, living off hardly anything, to now running a pretty successful um, art gallery, um, online store, clothing brands. Um, about to open a cafe, you know, they've bought a house, that kind of stuff. Like they're really, really, really inspirational couple, um, both um, Māori and Aboriginal between the two of them. Anyway, that's enough talking about them. Let's get into the Q&A um, from the whānau. So actually my creative hustle, we should talk a little bit about where I'm coming from. Like am I just been a know-it-all or what? But um, I'm actually a photographer. So when I left um, high school, I finished high school in a while ago <laughs> the late 90s uh, and I didn't actually get into university so I went and did a like a one-year kind of an exploratory course in in kind of creative the creative field I can't remember what it was called but it was a bunch of creative and design based disciplines and we tried a lots of different things and during that I really fell in love with photography particularly the like because this was pre-digital so you know, I really love the darkroom and stuff as well as capturing images, but I love the the, techni the technical crafty side of photography as well. So anyway, I loved that, um, and so I decided to go ahead and do a, a program in commercial photography. So I moved to Palmerston North um, in 19, uh, 2000, the year 2000, I moved to Palmerston North 20, 21 years ago. Did three years of commercial photography, so we focused obviously on photography that could make money. Uh, so uh, everything from weddings and family portraits through to commercial advertising, studio shoots, all that kind of stuff, landscapes, everything. I loved it, absolutely loved it. Um, and that was why I moved to Auckland to pursue my career as a photographer. Um, I 
worked in a professional photography lab back then, so because it was still film, all the f- the the main photographers, there's probably two photography labs in Auckland, really in New Zealand, that the main photographers used, and so I was working at one of them. Um, I was working in the team that actually helped digitise, go from film to digital, and then printing out digital prints. I, I actually really love that job. Got to meet a lot of photographers, you know, high-end photographers. I also, like, while I was studying, I won a few awards. I won the Student of the Year Award, um... In 1999, I think it was. No, 2000, 2000, 2002, it would have been my third year. Um, And actually got the highest scoring print out of all photographers in all of New Zealand that year. But I wasn't allowed to win that award because I was a new student. And they were too prideful to let a student beat the professionals. Anyway, that's my claim to fame. I have a beautiful um, sandstone sculpture with my name on it to prove that. I won that award, um, so I moved to Auckland. I had a bit of a reputation through winning that award. So I was working in this lab, and I was doing a bit of like what they call photography assistant um, on the side, working with photographers in the more the advertising scene. Uh, and so I did that for a few years, and then I left my job, and I started to go out on my own freelancing a little bit. Um, and I pretty quickly realised that I really didn't like that scene, and I didn't like that industry. Um, and so I kind of walked away with it. Uh, from it and that's where I kind of, that's where I started my journey and things like youth development and community development and social enterprise which ended up me being here but I also shot weddings um, for a few years um, and I did lots of family portrait shoots some of them I'm super proud of some of them I cringe at um, again I never really enjoyed doing that I, had, I really didn't like the pressure of shooting a wedding especially when I used to shoot them in film that's a lot of pressure man um and then I've done I've had a few opportunities where I've tried to kind of do event photography and stuff like that but none of, every time I tried to um make money off my creativity I never really liked it but now um that I, I am where I am I'm trying to I guess rediscover photography um the way that I want to do it I've always loved capturing people and places um, and that's my thing. A lot more documentary style is my style, um, and quite um, quite gritty, quite high contrast. Uh, so people and places. So um, document documenting people and landscapes is my jam. Uh, so once a year at this stage, I release a little collection of prints, um, and I've done lots of different things. I'm I'm currently planning my collection to release this year pre Christmas. Um, I, I dabble in a little Instagram stories with my creativity. So so that's kind of where I'm at. I also um, 100% like you will see that we do a lot of content here in our Hedy communities and I really drive that. Um, I used to make a lot of the content. I don't make so much of it anymore. I have a dabble now and then. Um, but I lead the team. I lead our creative team here. I also use my creativity all the time and the things that I do as an entrepreneur. Um, and I think our creativity can run through every different type of role and responsibility that we have if we allow it and if the organisation we work for allows it. All right, that was a main corridor, seven minutes 30 in time for some questions. Question number one, I'm a creative person with one million ideas, what do I do with them? Man, that's classic. Creative person with one, I mean, what do you do with them? I guess I don't know where you're trying to go with this question, but um, I would put them in 
somewhere. Put them somewhere. Put them in a journal. Put them in a spreadsheet. <laughs> Imagine a creative doing a spreadsheet. Put them on the wall. Yeah, I think if you're trying to talk about how do you execute on them, uh, probably like something in there around a selection process. Um, but also probably about building up your creative rhythm um, or your, I don't, that's not the right time to use this, but creative stamina as well. Um, getting used to uh, producing a lot of creativity or outputting a lot of creativity actually takes time and practice and experience. Like you can't just become this creative weapon just because you decided to. You actually have to apply yourself to your creativity um, and prob- probably what I would say with your one million ideas is you should just start to execute on them. And you don't even necessarily have to execute all the way to the finished product, but just start by doing by doing it. I feel like this podcast is one of those things where it's like um, when we were doing content, I was interested in the concept of podcasts. Uh, there's a bigger story to it, but it was kind of like just start doing it and see what happens. If if you were listening in the early days, you would have heard that our introduction was like, here's a podcast about, we don't even know what it's about. We're just going to start doing a podcast and see what happens. It was pretty much along those lines. Um, and there's, there's so much uh, value that comes from just executing on your idea. Ideas are everywhere. Everyone has them all the time. There's nothing special about the idea. It's the execution. And the cool thing is, is if you, you can get to a point where you can, hopefully you can execute on an idea and be okay that if it doesn't work or if you decide it's not the right one for you, that you can just let it go. It's not the end of the world. It's all good. And I think the more that you can execute on your ideas, the more that you um, will find some satisfaction, you'll find some momentum, uh, You'll and then you will start to see which ideas um, before you execute on them, you'll know which ideas you want to do and which ones you don't. Um, and then you always have a holding place for them right now. For me, I feel like I can't fit any more things in execution-wise. I'm doing so much, so much um, but I still have ideas. But I know now whether or not I should um, – I know pretty quickly, should I move on this or should I just park it? And I tell you, I do have things, I do have ideas I want to execute on that are just in the just-wait pile not right now kind of pile, but I'll come back to them. So I hope that helped. Yeah, next question. How do I get my creative hustle started? <laughs> you just start, bro. Um, yeah, you got to uh, – how do I get my creative hustle started? So I'm assuming that you've got an idea, right, and you just want to you just wanna get going. Uh, I'm trying to contextualise this a little bit, but – uh, the best thing to do is always to get started. I think um, you want to kind of know, like, it's crossing over, I think, between creativity and business. Sorry if I'm waffling a little bit. I'm trying to think of a good answer. It's crossing over a little bit between creativity and business, right? Like, when you want to get creative and hustle. You, it's always good to build out, like, what what are you trying to – what are you trying to achieve and for who? Like, are you just trying to have a creative outlet? Then, I mean, for me personally, my creative outlet is Instagram stories straight up. And I love it. Um, I love that I can go for a walk 10 metres from my house and catch 10 beautiful photos using my iPhone or a couple of videos. I can do some transitions and some video moves and then I can put on my story with some graphics and some music and then, I'd, like, it's just my little creati- creative scratch 
Scratch is my little creative itch for the day. But this one here, if you want to actually turn it into making money, the basics of business, which I said in the last podcast as well, is knowing who your customers are and what they want and how you provide that for them. So if you're painting, um, like paintings, and you want to sell them to people, you still need to know who your customer set are. And if you're sitting there saying, I paint paintings for everyone, then you're just not being realistic. Not everyone's going to like your style. Your style's not going to be for everyone. Your price point's not going to be for everyone. Which, if there's not a question in here, hang on, let me have a quick scroll. Yes, there's a question about pricing. We'll talk about that later. Um, if you, you need to know who your type of creative outlet or creative expression appeals to. Who are those people? You know, like, is it te Māori? Is it, like, is it like the theatre scene? And then even within that, um, what kind of price point are they looking at? What kind of subject matter are they interested in? You know, there is definitely a small niche target audience for what it is that you have to offer. If it's clothing, if it's poetry, um, you can't, you got to understand who that who that's for. And that's where you should start with your creative hustle is who is it for? What is it that you're offering them? Are you offering them some beauty for their house? Are you offering them an awesome night out? Are you offering them an emotional experience? Like clarify what it is you're offering them. What is it worth to them? Like what's the value of that? And then you just give it to them with all that you have. That's a real crude way to say it, but that's how you should get it started. Find a little bit of money, invest in yourself. Um, and don't put it on other people to figure out if they love you or not. It's as much your responsibility to figure out if what you have to offer is for them and only offer it to the people that it's actually for. Sure. That'll do on that. I hope that helped. Um, how do you deal with creative blocks? Yeah, that's a good one. I think creative blocks, man, I saw this really cool. If you're on Instagram, have a look at this um, page called Still Life, I think it's called. I'm going to quickly look it up while we're sitting here. But I saw this real awesome... Um, they do, they do these really cool like explanations of different things. But with creativity, I think I found it here. It's called still.life on Instagram. I know they're on LinkedIn and stuff as well. Um, oh, no, that's not it. Hold up, hold up. But it talks about how there's these fundamental elements. So components of a creative state. Here we go. The first component is rest. Two nights of good sleep help mood and energy. Second component, mood. Openness to new ideas and healthy communication. So if you've had your rest, then you've then you've got a positive mood or good mood that's open to new ideas and healthy communication. The third is incubation. So time away from the problem you're trying to solve. Um, which all design and all business, all hustle is all about trying to solve a problem, whether you realize that or not. But incubation, time away from the problem you're trying to solve. And I like that because I often need time to dwell on things. Um, and I often find the best times for me is while I'm driving in the car or while I'm in the shower. Sometimes when I'm out for a walk, but when I'm out for a walk, I, for some reason I'm too busy. I'm like deep in thought. Anyway, number one, rest. Number two, mood. Number three, incubation. Number four, creative state. That's where your state of energized focus and clarity comes after you've done those three things. So, and I would say that's true for me. If I have a creative block, um, especially as a photographer, visual creative, um, 
if I can get out in nature, you know, I love landscapes, I love people watching, if I can get out and be in those environments straight away, um, the inspiration abounds for me. So, yeah, that's what I do. Um, if it's quite often creative block, I think, comes from fatigue. Uh, I'm just trying to think a little bit more into that, but fatigue... Uh, procrastination as well as something that's huge um, for creative minds. So sometimes a timeline, sometimes a deadline can help with creative block. Um, like if if you're just prone to um, doing things last minute and it's that pressure of last minute that brings out your best work, sometimes adding some deadlines and it could even just be um, like make a meeting with a mentor on a certain date at a certain time where you're going to present something to them and that gives you a deadline to work to. Um, that can help with creative blocks. Um, yeah, finding your inspiration, finding something to speak into. Uh, sometimes getting feedback. Um, say you're halfway through a project and then you're you're confused yourself or you've overthought it or you're just like, oh, I don't know where to go with this. Feedback, man. I, You know, critical feedback, especially people that can give you a critique um I I remember even all the way back in um, art school and photography school excuse me burpee sue is here um I always used to do that mid-project especially by the time I got to third year I would excuse me again I would hit up my tutors um and sometimes I'd get annoyed they'd be like get away no they didn't say that but sometimes I feel like and I'd just show them what I was working on and get their feedback and that would give me some ideas around where to go with it next. I think as creatives we can easily think ourselves or create ourselves into a bit of a mess sometimes, a bit of a jumble, and then we don't know what to do or where to go. So there's a few ideas, creative blocks. Oh, next one's kind of the same. Where do you get your inspiration? I get my inspiration from being outside, from nature, from things like, like because I'm a photographer, photography, photography means writing with light. Photo is light. Graphy is writing and I have a fascination with light and the way that light comes through. So the th times when light's super moody, like morning and evening, um, when it's coming in sideways, all that sort of stuff, that sort of stuff inspires me. So being um, in those environments and around there, um, I love like, I love big, beautiful art books, um, art galleries and museums to some extent. Um, I like watching... You know, I like watching really cool stories, whether it's blockbuster movies or documentaries. Um, you know, watching other creative expression, I find super inspiring. I, I got really inspired recently by a series that I watched called, um, I can't remember what it's called, but I watched a couple of ser TV series just on demand that were um, essentially like pickers or um, people that go and they scour through like antique places or junkyards or whatever and they find really beautiful things and then they buy them there and then they resell them in their shop. I actually got super inspired by that because they were finding crazy things, beautiful things, things that you wouldn't even think of. Um, so yeah, there's inspiration everywhere. I find, I find inspiration in other people. Um, yeah, that's my kind of jam. And then uh, as far as like figuring out things for, oh, there's some really cool like other artists and that that are inspiring as well. Um, podcasts. I, I actually, I'm so much more visual too, which is funny. Like YouTube 
YouTube interviews and stuff with creatives. Yeah. I'm kind of thinking of jumping into Masterclass too. That might help. Choice. Next question. How do you approach collaborating with other creatives? Oh, yeah, cool. Making your ideas sing. How do you approach collaborating with other creatives? Yeah, you have to be really open, eh? If you're... um. You have to be open and you have to be confident in who you are and your voice within the team. Um, collaborating with other creatives, you can you can smash a whole bunch of ideas together, which is cool, but if you're not confident in your own um, interpretation, either you can get drowned out or you can be overbearing. Um, it can kind of go either way. Because uh, there will be people when you collaborate that um, are really pushy and they really want their their uh, expression to overrule everyone else's. What I would say though in general with collaboration is the very first thing I look for in collaboration partners is do they have the same values as me? Like are they looking to achieve the same thing I want to achieve and do it the way that I want to do it? And that's all about values based, right? Like, what are some of the, like, do they value collaboration? Do they value the fact that everyone around the table has a valid viewpoint? Um, do they value going through the process of, of choosing this? Or are they just going to bulldoze me and make sure that my idea is the best idea and that's the idea that's going to win? This and then you obviously don't want to collaborate. So once you establish that first, and you know that collaboration with this person is going to be positive, then it makes the collaboration itself easier. So suss the people out first, suss them out, have a look at what kind of collaborations I've done before. Um, I mean, I don't know if you want to be a reference checker kind of person, you can do that too if you like to. Um, But yeah, just kind of suss them out. That's all good. How do I approach collaborating with other creatives? Oh, yeah, and so then if it's, I mean, we do heaps of collaborations here. I always reach out to people. Um, our most recent one was Cardi Māori um, that are created alongside Aroha from My More Creative. Kia ora um, And we then commissioned an artist as well. Um, and we also commissioned some packaging to be made. So there was a bunch of creatives that worked on that. Um and same sort of same sort of thing, uh, values alignment first, um, and then after that you you dig into the details. I think it is cool up front as well to establish what the collaboration means and who does what. Like we actually we go to the point where we have an agreement, we have a contract that we write and we sign. And the good thing about that contract is that we um like because we're there's money involved as as well, and we were selling the product we we're making. It was really important to clear that up at the start. That's how we've been doing collaboration. Cool. Okay, here's another question. Uh, for the perfect job or funding or audition, how do you prepare yourself to get something that you feel is bigger than yourself? Oh, I see. Yeah, so it's like your big breaks here. How do you prepare yourself to get something that you feel is bigger than yourself? Yeah, that can be super intimidating, right? Um, I often find myself in that position where I'm staring in the front of something. I'm staring down the face of something that I know I've never done before. It's bigger than I've done before. It feels intimidating to me, but I really want to do it and I know that I can do it. So I think in that space, it's important to... um, 
trying to think how I do do that. I have a really strong faith base, and I have a, um, I really believe in the power of my whakapapa and my connection to my tupuna, those that have gone before me, and I do rely on them and their strength, both those realms, my faith and my tupuna, um, and I look back to them and I, I find like I have photos of my tupuna on my wall at home and I will sometimes stand there and look at them and talk to them and gather the strength that I need and the belief that there's there's like, you know, if you could just imagine your grandparents and their parents like standing there telling you like you can do this, you know, you are, you are seed, you are my seed, you know, you can go forth and you can achieve these things, like that gives me heaps of strength, to be honest with you. Um, but then I think it's also to do your homework, you know, like prepare yourself as much as you can. Like this one talks about fundings or auditions or jobs and stuff. Like if it's a job, like your dream job at your dream agency or whatever, like learn everything you can about that place. Um, you know, like what is it about that place that you love? What is it that... You want to get out of it. What is it that you feel that they would want from you? Like, do your homework on it. If it's an audition, like, figure out, you know, maybe your agent got it for you, but there's going to be a production company in there that's running this production that you're auditioning for. And, you know, find out as much as you can about them, about the project itself, like what's driving it, what drives the people. um, Because whatever it is that that they need and they want is what you want to offer them, more than just your talent and your skill. Um, I think, yeah, you got to study them, you got to know about them. Because what it will do is it'll give you confidence, but it'll also help settle your nerves, hopefully. Hopefully it doesn't freak you out and intimidate you. Um, and then, yeah, just, I think, be confident, believe in yourself, um, believe that you can do it, you know, talk to some people and get them to encourage you. Um, a fit like, like face your fear don't just kind of pretend like it's not there because I think if you pretend like it's not there I mean it depends on your coping mechanism but if you acknowledge it and you know that it's there but you push through it anyway um, and see what happens the exhilaration of coming out the other side whether you got it or not the fact that you went for it um, and you gave it your all that's going to be that's going to be the one yeah you got to keep trying you just got to keep trying got to keep trying until you crack it um, we recently put in a bid for the biggest project I've ever bid for and we actually lost it we didn't get it at all um and I was I was definitely gutted but I was also kind of like nah cool that's all good learned a lot from that I have a really cool concept now that I'm going to continue to build on and yeah there's always positives to come from it 26 all right couple more we've got a few more questions here we'll see how many more we can get through um Oh yeah, this one. How have you approached or have had to deal with a project you fell out of love with? You have no more motivation, no more drive. No good. But you're getting paid. <laughs> so how have you approached or have had to deal with a project you fell out of love with? Yeah, I, t- I find the ones, <laughs> like you said, like you already took the money and you still got to deliver. They're the hardest. They're the hardest ones. I think if you... um. If you haven't been paid yet, there's that little bit of extra motivation. Um, basically, you got to suck it up. you got to suck it up. I reckon that formula we talked about before would be helpful around bu- um, busting creative blocks. Like get some rest, um, get yourself in the right frame of mind, um, give yourself some time to dwell on it, 
and get like get yourself in the real ideal creative state and then just boom execute it like you know yourself and your creative um process and what you need like execute on it I think get away from procrastinating I reckon it I reckon sometimes it's procrastination I know I've worked on projects before and they've dragged out um like the client has taken ages and it's just taken like it was meant to take two months and now it's taken six months and that stuff is really really hard to keep going with but I think you've just gotta you've really gotta have some discipline um honestly if you want to if you want to excel as a creative, you have to have discipline, man, and you have to build your stamina, and you have to be able to push through in some of these tough places. So, yeah, um, do what you need to do to bring out your best creative state. Get a good environment. Um, you know, it's probably not going to happen if you're kicking it in bed um, or laxing around the house in your PJs. Like, get out, go somewhere, put yourself in the right environment, focus, um, and get it done. And, like, just eyes on the prize man keep your eyes on that after it's done um state and how good it's going to be when you um get to get that off the list but yeah happens to us all suck it up you got this how do you get over being too shy to put your creative work out there honestly man i see this so much even for me i've been through it myself i think one of the things is um there's probably two things one is how much you uh, care what other people think um, or how much, how good you think about yourself, like how confident you are in yourself and your creativity. That's one thing. And then the other thing is, which ties up with how much what you think people think, (laughs) how much you care about what people think is like perfectionism perfectionism i remember one time the penny dropped for me one of my favorite new zealand artists is askew he's a street artist um he's really really super talented um and i remember watching like i followed him for a lot of his journey and he was really transitioning into from street art into more like gallery art and you know art to put in people's homes um and i was watching him like create a piece of artwork and then put it to the side and then start another piece of artwork and then put it to the side and then start another piece of artwork. And at that stage, I was at a point where anything I was, because I, I do painting sometimes as well, but everything that I painted wasn't finished yet because <laughs> I just couldn't, I don't know, the perfectionism and that being too shy to put it out and say that's done. So I saw this, um, I think it was a video, like a mini doco on him and he was doing this and I was like, man, look at how he can just be like, oh yeah, that painting's done, I'll move on to the next one now and not be standing there looking at it, judging it, is it perfect, oh that should move to there, oh that blah, 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 blah. He was just like, cool, that is what it is. Time to do one more. And then time to do one more, and then time to do one more. And it actually, it's like the penny drop for me. Like it's not, it's not about each one being perfect. It's about you continuing to create, plain and simple. And so, I think you've just got to, you've just got to, you've just got to get over it. You've just got to start putting it out there. I, for me, with social media, the way that I overcame it is I set myself a challenge to put out one piece of content every single day. Um, most of them were video content, um, but one piece, at least one piece of content every single day until I got to the point where it no longer intimidated me. And uh, to be honest with you, it didn't actually take that long. 
to the point where I realised, oh, <laughs> not that many people going to see it anyway. <laughs> but also, like, oh, it didn't, you know, it didn't really matter. And like, even if something happened, like people kicked up or, um, or you got some bad feedback or whatever. Honestly, by the next day, everyone's moved on anyway. So, and I think that was cool. Setting yourself some little challenges to break that down and get away from that and not thinking that, man, your life is not an art gallery. Your Instagram feed is an art gallery. Like, an art gallery is a creation of the very finest pieces. But in order to get there, you're going to have thousands and thousands of other ones from crap to okay. Chirp, get rid of that perfectionism. Stop being shy. Put it out there and you will grow in your confidence. What have we got? Two more left. How do I know how much to price my work? <laughs> how do I know how much to price my work at? Man, this is a tough one. Um, but the best piece of advice around pricing is don't think about um, how much does it cost, but think about how much is it worth. And they're, they're really two really different things. Um, how much does it cost is like if we take um, paint, for example, because I was thinking about that. You know, you've got paint and paintbrushes, uh, some canvas, and a bit of time equals a painting. And so if you did it that way, you could add up the cost of those. Bit of paint, paintbrushes, canvas, okay, and took me, f you know, a couple of days. All right, this painting is going to cost $200 based on the cost of the materials and the time. But if you turn it around and you go back to what I was talking about earlier about understanding who you're painting, creating paintings for, um, what you need to understand is what value, what are you offering them and what value does it have to them? So they don't really care that it costs you $200 to make the painting. They care, say for example, you've got clients that, um, let's say you had clients or your ideal clients were people that got architecturally designed homes and they want a statement piece in their home that makes them feel successful and proud of their home and that when people come to visit them, they're amazed. And so the value of that is not, $200 the value of that is probably more like $5,000 because that's how you make them feel and that's how you have given them value in their lives understanding how much value you're giving people is so different to how much things cost and so that's what you've got to price there's another way to look at it too is like, like you can and you don't always have to be the highest price person you don't have to be like, for me with my prints, I actually like to make them affordable because um, I just want people to have them in their homes and I want people that w maybe wouldn't normally buy um, art prints, especially photographic art prints because they're super expensive. Like I do have a range of photographic art prints with custom framing and it's archival and all that and I sell them in the $1,000 plus range. But they're definitely not my bread and butter and I haven't put a lot of energy into trying to get that clientele. My price point and my value proposition to my ideal target customers are just people that want beautiful things in their home at an affordable price. Um, 
I get fresh images each time and I try and go with what's kind of kind of in either um so for one example I did a series of prints that were like mostly seascapes like the ocean waves stuff like that and then I I hand wrote I hand wrote these quotes I mean I hand wrote them on my on my iPad and turned them into digital versions and overlaid them over the photos and that was when that was really in like having quotes over a photo framed up on your wall um and so those flew out the door and then one year there was a couple of things going on that were really public um, and like I went out and photographed them and so they made really good content and they sold really well because that was really topical at the time. Um, and then like I'm doing some other ones that are a little bit more customised to um, people like kind of like a visual pepeha style. There's an idea for you guys. Steal it, eh? Someone's probably going to try to steal it. All goods, we on. Um, but it's, yeah, sorry, so it's trying to come back to what it is that, what's the value proposition that you have to offer people and you price for that. Um, so my really affordable prints, they generally come framed, but I just frame them from Kmart and I keep it nice and cheap, keep it nice and affordable. I'm not going to get them no $200 frames on there because then they can't afford that. Um, so yeah, that's how you want to do pricing. Uh, I'm trying to think of some different scenarios um, with things like auditions and stuff. I think they kind of set the pricing um, and what you can get paid um, but you should definitely at a bare minimum you at least need to charge an hourly rate for your time um, that includes like what you would get paid just for yourself what it costs you to transport yourself around what it costs you for your phone and your internet and writing up your invoices what it costs you to show up to all the auditions and all of that like you got to add all of that up and break that down into what an hourly rate would look like. I tell you what, pricing in the creative game is really tough because you've also just got to take what they offer you. But pricing your products in the creative game, that's where you can really get into it. I mean, look at the actors, eh? Like, think of the Friends actors, right? They ain't getting paid a price per hour just to cover their $30 an hour bill. Hell no. They're getting paid based on the value that they're offering that network and that production company because who they are brings value beyond just an hourly rate. So, yeah, that's a big as. That's a big as one pricing. And I think for our um, for our Tukua crew, we do a bunch of different stuff. I think I'm not sure if we've done pricing yet for creatives, but we'll definitely be do pricing for creators coming out real soon. Um, but choice one, I think that's the end. Should I ask that stupid question? The one stupid question, there's always one stupid question that comes through. What size are your creative mahis? <laughs> so for those of you that don't know, in Māori there's the word mahi, which is work, but in Tongan the word mahi means undies. <laughs> what size are your creative undies? I got some big creative undies, mate. I feel like I have. I've been really stretching them and growing them, so... Yeah, I'm pumped. You're an eager. All right, fine. Thanks for that. We'll be back again next week, keeping it going with our weekly content on our Hedy Talks. Uh, send us through any questions or ideas if you have any. Sounds like we're going to be locked down for a little bit longer. So, cheer to the cheer. See you next week. Take care, eh? Kakite.